All right, in this episode, Ryan and I talk about marketing, German engineering, Japanese engineering, and the automotive industry, and we talk about Dr. Seuss and Sneetches. We had fun, and we hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. My name is James Nethery. I'm your host. And I'm Ryan Griggs, your co-host. And, you know, as usual, we're having fun. And we hope you enjoy. Probably I think too it's much. Going to get funner, <laughs> you know. As um, you know, usual. I mean, I hate to say that twice in a row, but it's unscripted. Although people ask us that, they're like a serious question. Like, yeah. do you guys do editing? Are you scripted? It's like, I'd show you my notes, but there's too few to show. I mean, we're that's how unscripted this is. I, and we really mean that. Like, we come in, we sit down, we turn on the recording, and it's like, well, maybe we'll start at some point. And yeah, we did get around we did to it. Pick a topic, which is good, you know, but it yeah. was literally, uh, did, we, did you mention, did we mention the topic yesterday? Was it? Mm-hmm. So, this is Saturday morning. This is in October. This episode won't be released until the end of the year, the first of the new year. That's right. Happy New Year's. Yes. Thanks for ringing in the new year with your favorite podcast hosts. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I think we picked a topic. We threw it out anyway. Mm. And so, oh, we could talk about this. And then mm-hmm. obviously, we decided on it this morning because I did spend, you know, five minutes kind of codifying my thought process. But there are no notes. It is always unscripted, and it is always unedited. As a matter of fact, the only editing mm. that Andrew does is for the camera angles. Right. Got to look good. I mean. And, um, <laughs> it needs to be aesthetically pleasing. And thank you for all the comments on the set. Yeah. We appreciate that. My lovely wife, Jenna. Um, great. I mean, she did it. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I kind of sketched out the delay but she did all of it yeah (laughs) the dog in the back all right so we have a great name we have three dogs the latest addition to the family it it was a great name sadie who's been with us probably two years and i'm just saying for you animal lovers i love animals i love all animals and i love beef too (laughs) all meats um i had no idea how gentle great danes are mm-hmm. and so really this is almost an ode to sadie and let's just like <laughs> her so but thank you for the comments we i appreciate in fact the the topic that we want to discuss today has really come from a lot of what we've heard from feedback from agents from individuals what we hear out in the industry today and that is really the marketing and the business practices in the financial services world right and so marketing is a topic. Marketing, yeah. And we're mm-hmm. going to expand on that. And it, well, it's How two. it's normally done. Mm-hmm. Some of the uh, uh, marketing, look, you're in the life insurance, you're in the financial world. It's all about sales and numbers, you know, mm-hmm. from the the business side, the, from the Wall Street, the brokers, the, the, the agencies, the insurance companies. It's all about numbers, right? Sell, 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 sell. And I think there's a difference between marketing and selling. Um, <clears throat> but I'm greatly influenced by Jim Rohn, mm. right? Um, R-O-H-N, Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn. Oh, we'll have to put a link. And I'm sure most of you have prob- probably heard of Jim Rohn, and most of you are probably already students of Jim Rohn. And if you're not, you have an opportunity. But from my position, 
influenced by Jim Rohn, it's absolutely attraction rather than promotion. Right? I, I love that distinction. I think that it's important. Mm-hmm. But so let's blow that up, right? So we, I think, in the financial world, the form of marketing that most agents, probably including the ones watching this podcast, that most. So that, and by the way, this is a dissenting opinion throughout the industry. So what you're going to hear here, I would hear here. What you're going to hear today, I doubt you'll hear elsewhere. Maybe you will. Probably not. Uh, but. I think we would classify the form of most marketing in the financial world, including within the infinite banking concept footprint, as promotional, right? And so what does that mean? Well, I, the way I describe it is the individual, the salesperson has taken it upon themselves to, as their goal to position themselves within your awareness somehow. They want to be, they want to position themselves in front of you so that they can then persuade you, they can convince you uh, that what they're offering is what you need, that you should therefore buy from them, right? So it's, a, it's, it's active, it's very um, outward oriented. Aggressive. You know, it can, can be, be. aggressive, yep. Yeah. So th- what sorts of things might you see when you encounter this style of marketing? It's what you see on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube, you know, it's the click funnels, it's the spammy emails, it's the cold calling, right? If you go to work for, if you're an agent and you go to work for a captive company, you know, they want to suck you dry of your network as soon as possible. So task number one is project 100, project 200, whatever it is, whatever they call it, it's list down everybody you know and everybody they know. Friends and family. And and log (laughs) that into our system, right? And then work your way through them. You'll get tired. You're not going to convert many of them. You'll get over it. You'll leave. They tell you this high turnover in the business, right? So you're gone. And guess where your contact book stayed? Okay. So all of this, that's one example, just one instance of the promotion style position in front of you, persuade you, convince you. And look, I want to say this from the outset before we get too far into it. I say, I, I, I don't know where I heard it from, but um, I think it came from a pastor actually. You know, I assume and you assume angelic intentions. And yeah, I, had, I, I learned that from you. Yeah, I had somebody ask me, what, you know, what's that mean? What do you mean by that? And literally, I assume that everybody is motivated by the purest of holy angelic motivations and intentions, right? We're not talking about that. We're not trying to besmirch anybody's character. That's not the point. This is about what goes on in addition <laughs> to all of those the, the the people who are out there, those malicious actors, there's only a few of them. It's not many. Most people are well-intended. But what we're talking about here today is really beyond that. We don't want to get in anybody's heads. We're not trying to psychologize or anything like that, right? This is, you know, everybody's out to do the best thing, and most of them are. Um, yet, yet, there is still a dominant, identifiable, distinct form of marketing out there that frankly most people hate well do you enjoy <clears throat> the cold calls and the spammy emails from everybody uh, trying well, to get your business I'm like everyone else nobody woke up today and said oh i'm gonna be sold something right and I, and I understand there's a distinction between sales and marketing but um 
nobody wants to be sold. Nobody wants to be marketed to unless you're specifically interested in purchasing an item or a service. Then, you know, you'll tolerate some of the spammy emails. And, but it's all very uncomfortable. Um, so, no, the short answer is no. Um, but let me say this. Whenever I am interested in making a purchase of any kind, house remodeling, automobiles, air conditioners, suits, um, whatever. And I don't really have enough suits. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> shoes. I love shoes. <laughs> I want to, well, let me talk about the clothier that doesn't exist in today's world, mm. right? If I'm interested in a suit per se, as my example, and I do pay attention to details. And of course I like to look nice, you know, I want everyone to look nice, feel nice. Um, I want to talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about, right? Don't, you can't uh, be dressed, you know, this far away from Ronald McDonald <laughs> and give me um, direction on how I should dress. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So I, I don't care what it is I'm buying. I want to speak with somebody who knows what they're talking about and is interested in, enough in me to understand what I want. Mm -hmm. Right. So, but no, I don't want to be marketed to, I don't want to be sold anything, but if I'm making a purchase, I want a salesman who is compensated for their skills. Right. They uh, should be highly skilled, highly competent yeah. and compensated accordingly. I, I, I like the clothing example because like, I'm a suit jacket fan, <laughs> sport jacket fan. Do you but have I'm, patches on there? Do you have elbow absolutely, patches? Absolutely. You know, yeah. <laughs> you can take the individual out of the academy, but you can't take the academy out of the individual. Anyway, so I'm in the market for a, um, not a new car, but a recently pre-owned vehicle, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, ruined the, my whole experience by at first getting into a German car. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what I've been doing for the last 11 years. Uh, driving Japanese, that was a mistake, but it's okay. It's been fine. The car worked out. Anyway, I'm looking to do a... a recently pre-owned German vehicle. German vehicles are more engineered. They're a little more complicated. So I'm out at the dealership, right? Um, getting, Only one? Getting to it. What? Only one dealership? Well, no, I've went to many, but at this particular one, getting to the car with the, uh, the, the sales person, the agent, and she's like, so what do you think? And I was like, well, I'll tell you what my number one concern is. My number one concern is carbon buildup affecting the turbo and the direct injection and the intake valves on this TSI engine. And... <laughs> By the way, for family who, of mine who watched that, yes, those words just came out of my mouth. Two weeks ago, that would have been Greek. They're shocked but, that he's that mechanically inclined. Right, and I really have never been. I don't know what's going on, but I've since become interested in this. Oh, wait. So I say could, those, wait, wait, wait. Uh, so you're interested. So you did some research. Did my research. Did my research. You, you had to read something? Before I ever contacted anyone, yeah. did my research vetted the fire out of these brands, right? Pinned it down to a specific model I like. You know, I've got certain reasons. I've got certain concerns. And so when I finally engaged what I wanted to be a competent expert salesperson, I had specific questions. You know, I wanted these boxes checked. And so I ask her and the poor girl looks to me and says, I have no idea what you just said, but I'd be happy to get someone from the service team to answer them for you. Is she and part of like, your family? No, no. <laughs> and it's like, you know, okay, I, I appreciate the honesty. I always prefer honesty 
All right. Oh, she could have made something up. She sure, later sure. attempted to in different aspects. But so I appreciate the honesty. But what I would prefer is someone who was an expert. And you kind of expect that, right? You go to a dealership, you go to a specific, you want to get a car from a specific brand, especially if it's German, especially if it's complicated. You know, you want an expert's view of that particular vehicle. So right? when you walked in the store, you expected the salesperson, the agent, to know their product. And I mean, that was my initial expectation. <laughs> I, I very quickly set that to the side um, and just resigned myself to having to educate the individual, right? Um, which you don't want to be in that position. Let's say that, right? I don't want to be in that position. I don't want to come to an individual salesperson and, ha and feel as though I have to educate them, you know, I don't want to, that's not who I'm, I might go to that dealership to test drive a car they have, right? Only because they have it, but I'm not going to go there to place my business, right? I shouldn't feel like I know more than the person. And I, I cars are not my business, right? It, it is legitimate that we expect the individual who's in the business to have a better understanding than I do, right? I expect that in cars. Like the reason we're going through this is so much of this, <laughs> so much of this. And of course, as I'm test driving the car, you know, half my mind is thinking about the sales system the agent's using oh and the other gosh, half yeah. is thinking about the actual car. Well, look, why didn't you just walk in there and give them your email address or your mm. phone number so they could text you mm. all these educational, you know, sales, promotional. Uh, That's a great question. Questions. It's a great question. And it, I hadn't, thought of it that way but you know i that is exactly right i don't do that you know i and i think the reason is i want to make a decision mm -hmm. right this isn't about tire kicking mm -hmm. this isn't about going to every agent possible and then picking from the litter being marketed to you don't want to be sold you don't want to be marketed to you want what you want right and you want to understand the ramifications of what that is that you want i know there's a problem namely my 11 year old 08 honda is getting ready to kick it right i have an issue i need to resolve that issue and i want to make a decision so i can execute and implement that decision i don't have an interest in getting into any kind of program or any of that i very specific to the point and by the way we i've had people like this you've had people like this you know what i'm the way we're speaking the way i'm talking now is in this example of cars right. and and that kind of thing but it applies to any high information sale okay so this particular brand that i'm interested in this particular german brand it's kind of an entry level it's not one of the fancy ones i mean we can narrow that down to two or three brands well yeah i don't know if they get offended if i say the name but yeah, yeah. uh so that this particular brand has a less than spotless reliability history right and so according get, to who right right so you get these individuals who they go to the dealership this particular car has a has a certain problem that if you don't maintain the vehicle it can it'll have a problem and it'll cost some money to fix it the right? turbo charge it's the turbo charge sure. thing and the the specifically the carbon buildup on the intake valve <laughs> i can't believe i'm saying these things but that's what the problem is and with that car to resolve this issue requires a, a a labor intensive and therefore fairly expensive cleaning, right? Mm -hmm. And so when a dealer or an independent uh, salesperson tells you, yeah, we got to perform a $750 cleaning on your vehicle for it to work right and make that engine light go away. 
the individual who is uninformed, who doesn't know, who didn't do their homework prior to the purchase, that individual becomes frustrated. Sure. And they become upset. They go to the forums, right? And they start to poke around online. They go to Facebook. They start threads, right? Hit, hit the caps lock key, right? Start yelling and screaming through the fingertips, right? And then lo and behold, it reflects in these reliability ratings at Volkswagen. And so I'm telling, oh, well, there it is. You can bleep that out, Andrew. <laughs> no, it's a Volkswagen. <laughs> it's no, a Volkswagen. No so I, I'm telling the, the girl sitting there with me, I was like, you know what the problem is with this brand is, I hate to say it, a low information consumer. And the reason that consumers are low information with respect to this particular brand, Mm -hmm. and I didn't say, of course I didn't say this part, but the reason is a low information salesperson. Mm -hmm. And so no, we create an environment where we get the wrong, the false perceptions and frustration, and then we have to go back and return things and demand refunds. It just gets ugly, you know? And no one wants to be there. Nobody. Well, the threads, you know, that people are shouting on, in your case, on, you know, social media, did, do you feel like that added to your education? Ab- that's a great question. <laughs> Absolutely not. It just obfuscates it, right? Ooh. It makes it more difficult. It's, and this is often what happens, that I've noticed in the automotive world, but it's true in the financial world, <laughs> is that... Individuals who don't understand, who, who started off low information, who didn't prioritize the education overall, before anything, those people, it's, it's much easier to get frustrated. And when you're frustrated, you look for answers. And when somebody else who appears to have the confidence and the competence, allegedly- The salesperson when, inside the building. When they very forcefully <laughs> present- what may or may not be a legitimate explanation for a concern mm-hmm. or a problem, right? The tendency is to just go off of their tone, their confidence, their, oh, yeah. their uh, charisma, right? Yeah. And, and we, we substitute legitimate understanding for aesthetic appeal. Oh, it sounds good. I like the way it's, he said it. He must know what he's talking right. about. I'll just go with and it. And it's complicated, so it must be good. And if it's complicated, it must be sophisticated, well, if it's right? Flashy and um, smoke and mirrors—that's mm-hmm. my terminology. If I move, I'm speaking specifically about the infinite banking concept and however many different rebrands there are across the big wide world. <laughs> if I move money from one pocket to another, just by the mere fact that I'm moving money because money must be in motion, I'm going to become profitable, and I can do what a bank does by moving money from one pocket to the other and and I, just the the mere presentation of it's like taking money from one pocket and putting it into another pocket i mean that that's a, a sales pitch from 60 years ago mm-hmm. that's been drug out of the closet dusted off and revamped and rehung mm-hmm. and now represented Right, you know, so so. But to answer that, it was a, it was a good question. I no, it doesn't help. Mm-hmm. You know, all it is is uninformed salespeople, technicians, and consumers contributing to the noise. Yeah, absolutely, contributing to the noise. Yes, absolutely, adding to the noise. Right, and we can have a whole podcast about adding to the noise because the noise 
appears to be sinking into the Nelson Nash Institute and the footprint of the infinite banking concept. What noise has been in the financial world. Yeah, no, nothing new. Yeah. We live in a construct of noise. Half of it's on purpose. Um, you know, some of it's ignorant, but oh my gosh, the noise. <clears throat> and, and this might be a good place to, you know, point out that I know my headphones are, you know, huge. <laughs> They, I feel like a bug, you know, with wearing these things. But yes, I have to wear them because of my hearing. So notice. However, I don't. <laughs> just saying, Nelson used to talk often about um, the infinite banking concept. Really, is akin to wearing noise cancellation headsets. Mm. You know, if I practice the infinite banking concept, I'm going to not engage or hear all the noise in the financial world. Mm-hmm. So, all right, all the all of the ignorance or you know, with angelic intentions. So nobody's intentionally out there, nope. you know, trying to um, present bad things or bad solutions. But do they clear? Do they help? Do they help? Does it help clear the noise? Does it help bring clarity, or does it add to the noise? Well, that's a that's a good point. There is that on the angelic intentions and no one's trying to do it. You know, we're not saying that everyone's perfect. We far from it. Right. Um, what we are saying is that for the sake of argument, we're willing to put that aside. Right. And people really do want to help. So you join, you know, if you're an independent, maybe you join a marketing company and they've got a system. If you're go to work for a captive company. And by the way, for those who don't know, a captive company is a company that essentially treats their agents or advisors as if they were employees, whatever the tax status might be is beside the point, but they tell you when to be, where you gotta be, how to be, what to say, when to say it, that kind of deal. And they're captive. They can only they, write or represent the products of that particular company. Right. Unless there's a selling agreement with that company and other companies. Yeah. But So this applies across the board, sure. you know, of, of all the various sales systems out there. You know, in the car world, to go back to the car example, I've noticed that at every different dealership I go to, it's always about, well, what can we do to entice you today? And I'm like, I don't know how much money you got. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Motivated nothing, by money, you know? are you? <laughs> I'll let you know when I'm going to make a decision, right? Uh, in the life insurance world, in the IBC world, the form that that often takes, and again, from an angelic perspective, I call it selling from the illustration, right? The way to motivate someone, to put them over the edge, to maybe paper over the questions they might have, the uncertainties they might have, is to get that sheet of numbers in front of someone as quick as possible. And then look at that number. Look how big it is way No, you're specifically speaking then of a life insurance illustration. Right. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Which we talk about often and... Yes, by the time this episode is aired, there will be a playlist on illustrations. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really just plain numbers. Right. So this is, way. just to be clear, this is the financial projection that an agent or advisor can acquire through the software of a given company. And then that, per, that illustration will show, based, usually based on the current experience of the company and assuming certain premium levels what the results in terms of cash value, death benefit, and dividends will be, right? That's what we mean when we say illustration. And so you might say, well, wait, that, why wouldn't I? I mean, that, that sounds good, right? Isn't that, won't that be helpful? And I think in a past podcast episode, I said that 
if the educational foundation has been laid, then the illustration can be a source of clarity. But no if the question. educational foundation has not been laid, or worse, if it's tampered with, then the illustration becomes a source of confusion. Yeah. You know, I, the only thing I can add to that is, well, I can add a lot to that, but I'm not going to get a real education from a life insurance illustration other than, you know, what's going on in mm -hmm. that life insurance illustration. I can be educated to that fact, what's going on. Um, and typically if that education, uh, you know, historically there's, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> historically there's very little education on life insurance, you know, which adds to the confusion. If we're trying to do something technical, you know, with a life insurance policy or a series of policies, there needs to be some education on how those life insurance policies work and, you know, what, what what's behind the illustration. But I'm not really going to get educated on the infinite banking concept looking at a life insurance illustration. You're not going to read Nelson Nash's book, his first book, Becoming Your Own Banker, and looking at those illustrations and, and walking away with, oh, man, I understand, you know, how the infinite banking concept works. Um, there's a lot of a verbiage in in that book that and it's simply written and in my experience over the last 15 16 years it's very easy to jump over the concept and what the message that nelson is conveying mm -hmm. outside of the numbers mm -hmm. right um now a life insurance illustration we said it and it, many times it's very important but what is most important in my opinion is the construct and the understanding of the owner whenever I put money into a life insurance policy or wherever I put money, I don't care what asset it is. And yes, life insurance is an asset. Um, I want to understand the characteristics of that asset. I want to be able to maintain, to manage, to, um, I want that asset to serve me well over my whole lifetime. So I need to understand my abilities, you know, the, uh, within that policy and, and I've said it exactly before, life insurance is a contract. It's a unilateral contract that, you know, the life insurance company can't change anything about that unless they're adding benefits with your approval. And yes, some actually do that. Um, but I have contractual obligations and I have contractual rights. And those things, what are your rights? What are your obligations? You should be keenly aware of them. Mm -hmm. You should know them. And you... Um, are hard pressed sometimes to understand what those are until you purchased and then you actually have the life insurance contract and then you actually read the life insurance contract. I mean, I find it appalling that agents, advisors, I don't give car salespeople, whomever they are, clothiers, um, not understanding their product, but yet they're encouraging you to put your money into it. Ah, that's, eh. Yeah. Well, let's take it back to the car example. I think it's something that people can kind of relate to. You know, I want, I put 11 years on my last car. I want to put another 10 on the next one I get. You know, I want it to last. If you're doing infinite banking, you're going to want it to last, right? Your whole life. Well, wait a minute. Right? So this is just a smaller scale example here, right? But the same principles apply. What are you going to say? Do you want the car to be most efficient in the third year, the fourth year, <laughs> or the 10th year? You know, what I would prefer <laughs> is that it run and perform the way I expected it to prior to the sale, right? right? And 
a dealer can hand me all sorts of documentation from Propaganda. the dealer and all sorts of marketing documentation, you know, and, and you can tell me this or that. One popular thing is, uh, you know, there's a lot of debate online about whether it matters what kind of fuel you put in your car. Right. Unleaded, premium, super premium, whatever. And most people say, oh, it doesn't matter. It's all a scam, right? Everyone's trying to scam you. Yeah. And that's fine. But as the communists and technocrats have added more and more emissions controls, the engineers, in order to preserve engine performance, have had to complicate the vehicle, right? So now you have things like direct injection and turbochargers, right, with lower number cylinder vehicles, right? A four cylinder <coughs> rather than a six. I'm having to make that transition. It's unpleasant. We're going to take a 100 horsepower engine and turbocharge it and make it 185. Yeah. We're going to add all these little and more, I get, more get, complicated gimmicks and things to it, right? And okay, some I can avoid and some I have to endure because it's kind of like the mech limit, you know? <laughs> it's like life insurance before 1988 was pretty awesome, but we got to deal with the mech limits now, modified endowment contract rules now. So we kind of have to accept it and we have to modify what we do in order to optimize the performance of the policy. Because of the technocrats and the communists. Right, right. Okay, so that's what's going on in the background. There's these, the point of it is that there are some complicated issues that, you know, I need to know as the owner, the one who's, I'm going to own this asset, it's mine, right? I'm the one that's going to be responsible for ensuring its duration as long as I want it to last, right? So I need to know before I get started how these specific elements are addressed, right? And with, with particular clarity. And the same thing applies with the design of a dividend-paying whole life policy. You've got to understand it. And, and just <clears throat> putting down on a piece of paper how the dealer expects the car to perform over 10 years under certain assumptions, I don't care. I, I do not care, right? I need to know what certain things I need to do to maximize the performance of this particular asset, in this case, an automobile. And I do view it as an asset. I know you got to pay for it, blah, blah, blah. But trust me, German cars provide enjoyment. It's an asset. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to enjoy it, but I need to have that resolved mentally, conceptually in my mind, right? Regardless of what a particular paper says. Okay, so in the illustration, in terms of IBC and in the illustration, the illustration can say whatever it wants, right? I need to know for myself what my, like you were saying, what my contractual authority is, what I'm permitted to do by contract to ensure optimum, maximum performance in this particular asset. So if you do it with the car, you might want to be doing it with your finances, yeah, that's well said. I mean, I just want to make sure you know how to drive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, pay the premium. <laughs> and then can you, you know, check the oil? And do you check the oil? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's... Don't you like how they say it in Texas? Oil? <laughs> oil? <laughs> oil? When I learned English, there's an I in that word, but... <laughs> well, I, I don't necessarily... I've never professed to speak proper English. Right? I, mean, uh, uh, I married a grammarian, and I am not. People beat you up for talking slow, don't they? <clears> oh, <throat> uh, you know, yeah, they do. Uh, it's like, yo, you talk slow, you must be slow. Well, let uh, me say this, because I know that's out there, and I've heard little comments like that. Just understand what I know about life insurance, I learned from him... And sometimes when a, something is put a certain way and it's said in a certain way, uh, it might be appropriate to sit back and listen. I mean, that's, that's what I do for me, and I've learned a lot that way. 
Thank you for saying that. <clears throat> I don't mind, you know, uh, I like smoothness, aesthetics, you know. Um, I don't mind being slow. I don't have to be the fastest guy in line. Um, and I'm typically the quiet guy in the room, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but that leads me into the when it comes to, you know, marketing, sales, education, because I think there's a, a, a an incredible – um, amount of education is maybe fundamental and simple, but you know, we sh- if we're going to practice the infinite banking concept, there's a certain level of education that is required. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to put your money into it and use it and it serve you well over your lifetime. But, and I've said this previously too, we all are aware of Aesop's fables, right? The tortoise and the hare. Mm. And, you know, I didn't know that that was, that goes back, the tortoise and the hare goes back to ancient Greece, handed down verbally, you know, I think the book came out in the 30s or so, but very simple, you know, the, the hare's flashy, he's got to get there first, and, you know, the tortoise wins, mm. you know, slow and steady, however you want to say it, so you can look at life insurance structured correctly and compare it to whatever you want to, um, if I'm putting my money in life insurance. It's structured correctly with a mutual company that pays dividends, even if there's outstanding loans and their philosophy embraces the infinite banking concept. Um, I'm going to win hands down compared to whatever else you, wherever else you want to put your money and just by practicing the infinite banking concept, yes, can I go invest in real estate collaterally through life insurance loans? Yeah, man, I, you can do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. But if I just finance automobiles, since we're talking about automobiles, mm-hmm. the average family, um, if you think about this, when I say the average, and everybody listening, listening is above average. There's no question. But statistically, a husband and a wife, you know, if we drive cars every five years or replace cars every five years, and that means that we're buying a car every two and a half years, whether they're new or pre-owned. Well, like me, I drive mine into the ground every, you know, 10 years, let's say, mm. I replace the car. Well, that means I'm going to buy a car every five years. Right, now, we do that over a lifetime. You consider how long you've been driving, how much you pay for each car you purchase, project that out over your lifetime. You're going to drive to your 85, 90. Nelson drove till he was 88. Um, how many cars are you actually going to purchase? There's an awful lot of money that's being paid for the privilege of driving cars. Mm-hmm. And you can capture, recapture, however you want to phrase it, the equivalent cost of that privilege over your lifetime when you practice the infinite banking concept. Now, I did not mention a rate of return. <laughs> I did not mention interest rates. I did not mention anything that's coming from the typical financial construct. Right. I just am going to practice being my own banker, doing the things that I was going to do anyway. Mm-hmm. And I'm just talking about automobiles since we're talking about automobiles. I'm not mentioning the education, the the uh, um, education, vacation, how many homes are you going to purchase? You know, whatever it is you're doing in business. I'm just talking about cars. And you'll Passive find, income later in life. <clears throat> yes. Uh, and whenever you practice the infinite banking concept and you, I mean, how much, uh, I'll back up that typical family. 
is going to spend well over a million dollars for the privilege of driving cars. How much of that or the equivalent of that one million dollars would you like to retain <laughs> and still continue to drive the cars that you want to drive? German or uh, <laughs> Japanese no, or Americanese. Right. Yeah. Oh. I had a friend ask me, he's like, why don't you buy America? And I said, because I'm tired of sending the government money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you're supporting the, uh, well, I'll, I, wanna, I don't want to get too political, but you can. <laughs> well, I'll say this, um, little digression as far as, you know, getting distracted <clears throat> with the numbers. I see this happening in the world of Austrian economics in the methodology that a lot of the uh, younger and just the generation right before me are engrossed in and it's not everybody, but the mathematical modeling, you know, it's, it's more elegant and it's just more aesthetically pleasing and it's, it's what the powers that be like. And, you know, that's how you get into the right journals and you got to get into the right journals to get into the right universities and you got to get into the right universities to get, I mean, the whole system just goes on and on. Right. That's invigorating. Right. That's yeah. exciting. It makes me want to do that. Oh, does it? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Notice that truth, uh, you know, the, the lies out, none of that ever really enters into the analysis, right? It's how do I model what I want to say? Just a little side note there for anybody who does enjoy the Austrian school of economics. If you crack open human action, right, Ludwig von Mises, uh, you'll notice that there's a, a, a startling absence of mathematical formulations and charts and graphs. And yet, yet, when these PhD students who go into the programs who think they're going to do Austrian stuff find out that as part of their dissertation, well, one of those chapters is going to have to be some math. It's like, really? Okay, so now, now we're just cutting off how much of the dissertation is truly Austrian and methodology. I get a little triggered about it. But it's the same principle, right? We're being... Just, I love that the, the tortoise and the hare is exactly right, or the, you know, the gold, mindset of a goldfish, you know, next shiny thing, right? It's like, what's cool? What's interesting? What are, the, what are the methods of the day, right? In economics, well, physics is using calculus, so we better do it too. It's like, ugh. And then in life insurance, well, the universal life guys, they show really nice illustrations, so we better try too. You know, let's try as hard as we can to be just like everybody else. Oh my gosh. What? Well, why are you leaving the libertarians out? Oh, we'll get to them. Come on now. <laughs> now that 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 brings me to. I'm glad you said that because the only preparation I did for this episode was um, finding out this guy's name. <laughs> All right. Because um, we all know who Dr. Seuss was. Okay, and and all the great wonderful works that he did his personal beliefs you know set aside the the um the one book that i wanted to get the name of the character out of was uh, sneeches on the beaches all right so the sneeches right they so there were sneeches they lived on beaches and there were two types of sneeches <laughs> one type had stars they were the star belly sneeches the others were plain belly sneeches. So the star belly sneeches, you know, bullied and wouldn't let the plain belly sneeches participate in whatever activities they're doing. And they felt bad. Well, along comes the stranger whose name is Sylvester McMonkey McBean. Okay. And he shows up and he says, well, I can solve your problems, you plain bellied sneeches. 
for just a mere ten dollars and i think this book came out sometime in the 30s or 40s so i'm just thinking what was ten dollars in the mm. 30s what is that worth today it's a lot of money mm. <laughs> okay so for ten dollars the plain belly sneeches could have a star so they could be like everybody else so, so then everybody paid the stranger the expert the marketer the salesperson the guru um, yeah the guru the funnel expert for the star on their belly mm -hmm. so then before you know it all the sneeches had stars on their bellies and then some guy got a great idea and said like well i don't want to be like everybody else then they paid the same guy <laughs> to take the the stars off of the sneeches off of their belly mm. right so we go right back to you know there are some with stars some that are plain belly sneeches and and it speaks to the whole point that life insurance industry, you know, oh my gosh, we want to compete with the investment world. So let's come up with these God awful products that were created to and foisted on the unsuspecting American public equity index universal life. And I, I know they've dropped the E now it's I U L now they're coming back and putting F on there. And they've already done that in the past fixed index universal life. We want to be like, you know, the market, the, the stock market, mm -hmm. um, they can't, they've had a hard time mutual, the life insurance industry, specifically the mutual companies. Um, they almost have gone through several identity crises. you know, they're in the eighties and the nineties, they demutualized so they can become stock companies. Well, somebody got paid in all those demutualizations and it wasn't, well, the policyholders did get paid, but the owners of the company got paid the most. Mm -hmm. And and you can, Nelson talks about universal life, one page in his book, Becoming Your Own Banker. My point is this, the life insurance companies, instead of embracing who they are and what mm. they have, mm. you know, they try to be like Wall Street. <clears throat> um, they come out with variable universal life and all of these iterations, and they're just polluting, they have polluted, Ugh. my opinion, life insurance just typically um historically whole life mutual insurance companies with whole life products and instead of embracing that and educating their clients on the power of whole life insurance they create all these other products and then <clears throat> and i know we spoke on this previously it seems like we can't get off the topic of the infinite banking concept and life insurance. <laughs> 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 they come out with these index dividends. You know, uh. some companies do, some companies don't. And, and I know all you, the, the agents and advisors listening, I understand that if you like the, the index and you and your client, y'all have decided that's best for, you know, their solution, God bless you. Can I just get a dividend paid? <laughs> from a soundly run mutual company that historically has paid dividends for a hundred or more years. What in the world is wrong with that? Um, and the fad nowadays is the life insurance companies want to play health insurance company. Uh, right? Oh, we add long-term care riders, disability riders, which by the way, you're paying for. Uh, and... <laughs> And, and long-term care, this is a little digression, is what's responsible, large part, for the, in, the oncoming demise of 
General Electric, but uh, so the product itself is suspicious. But here, just like you said, the identity <laughs> the identity crisis in life insurance is these companies wanting to you know oh our policies they you know, they check all these boxes you know we do we do everything we want to be everything to everybody. Right. And, I, and I have to say that the long-term care riders or extended care rider benefit, whatever they're named, you know, they're just an accelerated benefit rider, right, that allows a policy owner to access with a cost. You're either paying a premium for that rider or you're paying an expense at the time of use, right? The consumer pays for everything. But they're nothing more than a variation of um, – an accelerated benefit there there's an access to the cash value and or or both the death benefit right if whatever the triggers are you know two out of seven adls activities of daily living you know if i can't perform two of them then that rider that benefit may be activated um whenever and so I just want to say that they're never meant to replace long-term care insurance at all. They come with a premium. They come with a cost. Is it okay to have them? Yes, I'm, we, I use them all day long in, in, in our practice. Um, so it's just uh, an ability to access cash values. Whenever, so if I back up a, a minute. <clears throat> so if I just go by typically structured life insurance, uh, it, it may be a very long time before I have substantial cash values. Mm-hmm. Well, that life insurance would maybe benefit with that rider more so than an infinite banking structured policy because there's so much cash value available early with an infinite banking construct. So I don't really know um, – how beneficial that rider would be you know it's it would appear to be more beneficial in the early years right but in the latter years these infinite banking policies they have I mean, an extreme amount of cash, cash value. value yeah right but then and let me let me continue on to that that um i think pen treaty was one of the first companies that came out with long-term care you know we pay a premium you pay a premium there's a uh, high premium yeah, high premium. And there's a, a an, an elimination period. You know, if you have to go to a nursing home, home health, you have to be in there for a certain amount of time. That period, that elimination period, you're there before the benefit becomes available. It can have an inflation rider on there. There's all kinds of bells and ropes. Sounds nice and simple, huh? Yeah. <clears throat> but And I believe they came out in the in the 80s, Penn Treaty. Now, this it may not be place a place for this. However, you brought it up, so I'm going to keep going. I noticed. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Pentry comes out with the modern design of long-term care insurance. They mispriced their, the cost of medical care. Imagine that. Yeah. And they miscalculated the lapse ratio. How many people are going to let these policies go and how many people are going to retain these policies. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so of course they were, mispriced the premium mm-hmm. as high as the premium was right so they get into trouble they go to the state and say hey we need a premium increase the states keep continue to say no you can't have it no you can't have it no you can't have it and so you take this company it finally it's one of the the first company that goes into liquidation from the um, guarantee associations right and my point is is I want to tie it together so here if you're a health insurance company you have to pay into the guarantee association, right? 
if you're a life insurance company, you have to pay into the Guarantee Association. So the Guarantee Association is really a secondary guarantee behind these life insurance and health insurance and long-term care type products. Okay. Now, this is recently, I mean, this is within the last 18 to 24 months that Penn Treaty has been liquidated. And now the Guarantee Association has to step in, right, and, and fulfill these guarantees. And so the Guarantee Associations have no money, right? The money comes from all the other insurance companies that are doing business, right? And my point is this. They're looking at the life insurance companies with these long-term care riders. Said, now, look, you should participate in this guarantee association. You're in the health insurance business. Exactly. Exactly. And the life insurance companies are like, no, 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 we're life insurance companies. Oh, but you have a long-term care rider. Yeah, I want to have your cake and eat it too. That's what happens when you try to be everything for everybody. So let me back out of all this and go <laughs> big picture. That. Yeah, so that's long-term. That's good. I mean, but uh, there, there's a whole, there's a lot behind long-term care we could get into. That's one example. The indexing of the dividend, that option, that's one example. So I'm going to take it back to Volkswagen. Okay. You know, I said, well, let, I like the 2017 model, right? That They did a redesign in 2018, and I don't know, they somebody at Volkswagen got enamored with the aesthetic appeal of a minivan or something. I don't know. But <laughs> you get in these cars and a lot of the appeal is gone. One example is the use of essentially fake aesthetics, right? So if you look at the back of a, I think it's a 2018, well, you look at the back of the new model vehicles, especially, you'll, you might see uh, maybe a little decal at the back bumper where you might expect the exhaust to be right? The exhaust pipes, the exhaust tips. Well, it turns out most cars actually funnel the exhaust directly onto the road underneath the vehicle. The exhaust tips are fake. They're not actually real, right? But sure enough, it costs money to put them on there, mm-hmm. right? Someone's paying for that, right? The, the, the time to pay the engineer to design that, to get the parts and all that. This is just one example. There's more, right? Another one, um, because engines now are so quiet, when you change lanes, right, or when you rev up the engine, right, the auto manufacturers want the driver to quote unquote hear the engine. So they'll add software to play engine noise through the speakers. Are you serious? I am dead serious. Are these a German engine? It, it's a German, it, it's sound, it's called Sound Doctor, I think is oh the German, but they're in all the different new cars, right? an engine noise so that people feel like they're driving a car, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's, it's just, this is like Nelson used to say, you know, if you created the problem and now you're creating a solution or an exception to the problem, don't you think you're being manipulated? Mm-hmm. Why not just give me a car I can drive? Well, in the, in the car world, it's because they're trying to please consumers and the government at the same time. They're trying to present a car that you'll buy. Yeah, they're trying to appeal to me to my low, my relatively low information understanding. They're trying to appeal to that. Sure. So I get it. They're caught between a rock and a hard place. But same principles applying to these life insurance companies. They're throwing on these fancy gimmicks that cost more, that do nothing to contribute to the viability or the integrity or the purpose of the product, right? And we're paying for it. Oh, we're paying yeah. for it. And there's going to be unintended consequences. Mm-hmm. Just like you say, That's I think that's the, the purpose there is that, you know, you want to pretend to be health insurance company. Okay. That's a pretty politically popular topic. Oh, my gosh. So you want to go play in that sandbox? I don't. You know, I'd prefer life insurance be as boring as whoever you can think of, right? As 
I wish I could think of a personality. Who's super boring? Someone who's just, uh, you know, <laughs> just as, as boring as your conventional economics uh, professor, right? Wait a minute, a government clerk. There you go. I want nothing. Fan- I, I want the opposite at the of voter the, ID of the of the of the, of the the rabbit that's running down the street that's got all the new fancy things, right? Mm-hmm. I want the opposite of all the fake crap on cars, right? I want to. I want German. The, these German manufacturers used. One of them used to have the the slogan. It's like a, a true driving machine or something. Maybe it was Audi. I forget. Like that's what I want. If I go to get a car and I like driving, I just want a. a driving machine just give me that do that yeah. well you know you you're i know you're not apple i don't need eight gigabytes of ram in my computer to search the internet and watch youtube while i'm driving down the street right <laughs> I, if i own dividend paying whole life insurance and i have a properly structured policy with substantial cash value so that i can finance whatever purchase i might need to make down the road i don't need these fancy more expensive gimmicky riders that are allegedly going to help me do that better i don't i don't need it you know i need simplicity i need a well-run mutual company i need an agent who is an expert in their business and knows the product better than i do so that i can answer the specific questions i have because i did my research and i know the things that need to be addressed Mm -hmm. and then once i'm in force i want uh an independent mutually beneficial relationship with my agent i don't want to be dependent on the agent and this is why i'm saying this is because what we've talked about over about the last hour here, the consequence of it is you're gonna, if you make an uninformed decision based on the numbers because someone sold you from the illustration, you're gonna find yourself in a position eight months, 10 months, a year, two years down the line where it's why am I, what, like why am I doing this again, right? And so because the proper educational foundation wasn't laid, I as a consumer am now dependent upon the agent to go back again and again, explain and explain so that I can uh, properly manage my policy, right? That's what happens. That's the consequence, right? So I get this from agents, right? Because we do some agent trainings and that kind of thing and try to help people out. And you know, there's kind of this perceived distinction of, well, do I want to focus on the marketing and the quick sale and the ostensibly higher income? Or do I want to set all that aside and just focus on the education and the value, right? Is it, do I want a quick marketing-based sale or do I want a long-term value-based sale? And I, you know, am I going to make more money in the, uh, the quick turnaround type of business or am I going to do better as an agent in the value education style business? And the perception is, well, if I can get the sale now, if I can get the check written, you know, I'm going to make more money this month, this year, next year, in these five years, right? So my point was to somebody, that is a false dichotomy, right? Eventually, it's going to dawn on somebody that the practice of getting business in force based on selling from the illustration produces suboptimal, low quality business. And what I mean by that is the individual who gets frustrated in one, two, five years down the line is more likely to say, I quit. What is this? I'm, I'm fresh. I'm done, right? You go through that process once or twice. I got to be reminded. I'm getting frustrated. I'm, I'm blowing up forums, you know, hitting, up, <laughs> hitting the caps lock key. What did I get sold? You know, I'm a refugee. I'm going to other agents. This is what's happening. And we, it's happening right now. It's happening right now. We see it. I see it all the time. And to the point where it's becoming, we have to like 
tamper it down. I got to spend less time because it's too much. Uh, I don't have that kind of time. So we want to avoid that. It's actually in the individual's interest. It's in the agent's interest to put the value first. That person's going to love you. My clients are my people, you know? They know they can, I'm going to, you know, send the, the brother, the father, the son-in-law, you know, they become referral sources, right? That can only happen if the relationship, if the value comes first. So it doesn't, my point is the, the quick, the sell from the illustration, short-term minded thinking, it doesn't even work out on its own terms. For anyone. No, for no one. For the agent, <clears throat> the consumer, <clears throat> and the life insurance company. But here, let me, let me add to that because um, I completely agree. So I appreciate on one aspect, all of the noise that is out there. Um, even in the infinite banking world, because that a certain consumer is attracted to that. Um, maybe it's because they don't have time. They don't take the time to do the research. Um, but it exists and I appreciate and I recognize that it's out there. I appreciate it that it's out there. It, it's good in one way that um, I feel like we engage with educated clients. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I'm not saying that they know everything, but they can sure enough separate the wheat from the chef. And the result of that is a beneficial voluntary relationship. You know, it's not mm. dependent. Our clients are not dependent upon us. Um, we're very dependable. They're very dependable, but they're not dependent upon us. We do provide excellent service. Um, it, but it leads me to, to uh, in the big wide world on social media, I don't know how many times I've heard or seen, you know, from marketers or salespeople, which, I mean, I'm a salesman, I'm a father, I'm an uncle, I'm a brother, you know, I'm a, I'm a son, I'm much more than a salesperson. But, you know, if you're in the life insurance industry, you know, you're categorized as, oh, you're a salesman and you're, you know, dependent upon commissions and whatever. No, thank God I'm dependent upon my God. Mm. I am not mm. uh, dependent upon clients or commissions, right? Okay. But whenever I see, and I've, and I've seen it several times in, in, in various places, we're not going to ask you to read a bunch of books. We don't want to sell you a bunch of books. We're not going to make you buy a bunch of books. We're not going to we ask you easy. to read anything. Um, we simplify like, it. Well, that's a tragedy. And I understand we're all, we all have limited time. Some of us like to read. Some of us don't like to read. But uh, I, I think a, a foundational education is some reading is required. Yeah. Right? Some reading is, is some level of reading is required. And the more reading you do of the right things, the better off you'll be. Um, you know, you should vet this idea whether it's good for you and your family or not. Mm -hmm. And so it takes a certain amount of research. And, and some of that research is reading. So when I hear somebody say in verbally or in print that we're not going to make you buy or we're not going to make you read a bunch of books. I mean, it's just like, my God, why don't you pick up a book and read it? Why don't you educate yourself before you present yourself as an educator? Mm -hmm. I mean, am, am I missing something there? Uh, no. Is it just because I like to read? I think everybody should read. No, you shouldn't read everything that or very much of what you don't want to read. But if you have an interest in something, you should read. And look, I know this is a setup, a prop. 
(laughs) (laughs) The Law, Frederick Bastiat, 1850 Mm. France. See how thin that book is? I mean, oh my gosh, you could read this on an airplane ride. Mm -hmm. You could probably find this on audio online. I'm sure. I don't know. But um, this this should be required reading. Very thin. If you live in the free world or you don't live in the free world, you should read this book. What's going on today is is nothing new. Mm-hmm. And uh, I digress. That's just one thing that's on the recommended reading list. If you're a reader or even a listener, you should look it up. The Law, Frederick Bastiat. Oh, look, I'll say this on that point because <laughs> it dawned on me, right? Back to the car example. <laughs> this has been my life for the Listen, last week. I know so. more about Volkswagen than I really wanted to know. <laughs> <laughs> There's more. Uh, so it's, I, I kind of, it's like, well, you know, how do I, th- uh, what, what's good, what's important to me is, you know, compared to what? How do we compare these things to? So I'm thinking about, mm-hmm. and I drove a Honda, so I'm thinking about the Japanese cars and thinking about the German thing. And it's like, well, wait. So I get into a, a, this Volkswagen that I'm looking at, 2017 Tiguan, and I'm driving around and I'm getting like giddy. It's like, oh. this is, like, this is a $15,000 car, like feels like a premium experience a really wonderful driving experience we should get a sponsor for this video or something no thank anyway, you <laughs> i re- i enjoyed the the drive tremendously and i'm like what the heck like do people not try these cars like what's going on and then it dawned on me it's like well to maintain these vehicles you got to do some extra studying you know you got to know the kind of oil you need the kind of gas you need you got to stick to the maintenance schedule now, look do you, you have gotta, a problem with that if you're going to put fifteen thousand of your dollars in there don't you want to know that absolutely or don't you want to have an association with someone who does i that would be top of the list right Not in sure. the carbon just so happens that doesn't exist so <laughs> i got to go educate myself right uh all i want and that's that's really all i want is that positive driving experience and I don't get the the information from the agent, but I'm thinking like, well then, you know, why is the driving experience in these Japanese cars so awful? And I'm look, I'm not knocking on if you own a yes, Japanese you are. car. Oh, not owning it, but right. I mean, I get it. There's value. There's utility. They're more reliable. They hold their resale value. I get it. To what? Yeah, right, right. So there are reasons. I'm not knocking on just for the sake of it. But as far as the driving experience is concerned, I'm like, why haven't I heard about this? Like someone should have told me by now that this is awesome. Well, just, because just, you're six foot five and it's a Volkswagen. <laughs> and I actually fit better in the six in the Volkswagen than I do in the, the Toyota ones. Have you driven the BMW? No, because I don't wanna I don't wanna get attached. <laughs> you know, I, I know drive Chevrolet, so I'm just saying Ford, uh, Dodge. Yeah, government motors, okay. Whatever. Uh so just throw me off here. You know they had a fourteen billion dollar bailout okay. GMAC that's yeah. now Ally Bank. Fourteen billion. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, I, uh, taxes I are high enough, okay? <laughs> I don't want to throw you off. <laughs> so, and I'm just talking about GMAC. I'm not talking about <laughs> General Motors. All right, I'm talking about the financing arm of General Motors prior to the meltdown, which is now Ally Bank. Right. $14 billion, That's a lot of dang money. Yeah. And it was yours. Part of it. Part of yours. it. Yeah. Part of it printed out of thin air. But Okay. <laughs> Let me finish this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, I'm like, why is it this? Why is it the case? Why? You know, why haven't I heard about it? People don't ask about IBC. Why haven't I heard about IBC yet? Sure. Right? Same principle. Uh, part of it is, is that the consumer has forfeited that desire, right? They have, as we say in, the, in IBC and in, in finance, they have abdicated the responsibility 
to educate themselves about the banking function, right? And a lot of consumers of automobiles have abdicated their responsibility of understanding the vehicle. Look, I'm first among them, right? I'm like, when I first had my car, it was like, how often I got to change the oil? Like, what's that even mean? And how often do I have to do <laughs> what's it? What's that you even know? mean? <laughs> like, I put gas in it. Oil. Shouldn't it work? Yeah. Uh, so look, I've been there. I'm <laughs> right there with you, okay? But I have got an education over this last week about how much I have missed in the financial world. Did you right? have time to talk to anybody about the infinite banking concept this week with all that research you're doing on Volkswagens? It's just a side Would question. Would you believe it? I actually have. Okay, perfect. Yeah. I, there's too much man. going on. But anyway... What I, you know, so I think the the reason is is that we don't want to know. The American consumer doesn't want to know. It's why the CRV sells like eight times as many units as the Tiguan, right? Mm. They are we, they in the same price range? Uh, no, Japanese is more expensive up front. Yeah, a used Japanese vehicle, similar class, similar mileage, similar maintenance history, will be two to five thousand dollars more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you pay for it up front, right? Look, you're going to pay for it either way. Yeah, consumer you know? pays for it. Consumer, you're, you're gonna, yeah, no I'm going to pay in maintenance and repairs, mm-hmm. right? And the the Japanese consumer is going to pay up front. I have in, no note about retail. Japanese consumers here. Don't point at my notes. <laughs> <laughs> consumers of Japanese vehicles. Sure, sure, sure. So that's what's going on out in the, the big world is that a lot of consumers of mm-hmm. financial products – they want it easy. They want the Honda Toyota model, right? Mm-hmm. They, I want to drive it and do as little as possible mm-hmm. to get as much value as possible. Sure. As opposed to, I want the optimal experience. I want to maximize my time on this planet. I want to maximize mm-hmm. what God's given me. Therefore, I'm going to put in the time, effort, and research to make sure that I'm prepared to do that so that I'm not in the position of like myself a year and a half ago where I'm dependent upon the mechanic. I'm dependent upon the dealer to tell me what's going on in my car. Now I have to trust them. Right. How much, how much did you spend on your Honda over this time period this last year and a half? Oh my gosh. We're going to have to talk to you. Let's, you know, it's been a positive day so far. Let's not make it worse. <laughs> Look, let me say that, you know, I agree that the consumer, all of us have abdicated our, the banking function, right? Mm-hmm. We've all, abdicated the banking function at some level and that's exactly what nelson addresses that the banker is making out like a bandit and now look in this construct of noise um that's coddled you know that wall street has no desire the the big banks have no desire for you to take control of the banking function in your life absolutely not assets under management my assets under their management so there is this construct that's that 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 is uh, completely happy that we've abdicated our responsibility in whatever area, you know. Absolutely. Uh, the automobile industry is complete. Honda has to be completely giddy that that um, that the consumer just wants, you know, the low cost, high maintenance, apparently uh, mm-hmm. low cost, low maintenance, not high maintenance. And the Honda out runs them. And, or the Range Rover mechanic. Oh, my God. You get in the car, you get a mile over the warranty, a, a light breaks. Oh, that'll be a $2,500 fix. I don't know. Mechanics will eat that up all day. I don't drive them either, but I, I have heard, you know, the stories about Jaguars. I mean, yes, I mean, same owner. Um, but Hey, it's the shiny thing. Everybody uh, else has one. Well, let, let, when we go, I don't want to jump over this either. Uh, you know, if we back up a little bit, let's look at the education or consider the education of the, the uh, average agent or advisor, you know, um, 
the but, the life insurance yes. industry does not train agents or advisors in this banking concept. I wonder why? Because the life insurance industry didn't come up with this idea, right? Even though they have the stellar product that has all of the requirements, all of the characteristics to meet the requirements of a banking entity. Since day one. Ew. Premium death benefit cash value policy loans. Older than the country. What else do you need? Um, the education oh, on how to use dividend. it. Sorry, number five. Uh, education on that, to be aware of that and then learn oh my gosh that oh wait uh, uh you mean i can do this you know so it's exposure that's, and education that's exactly how i feel in the volkswagen <laughs> <laughs> i can drive this car <laughs> i'm telling you now now let's let's talk about the education to the, for the agent right? i mean they're 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 trained to sell the investment advisor is trained to sell or acquire assets under management. That's mm-hmm. how they get paid, right? Um, and everybody, every worker is worthy of this hire. Hey, and management is breathing down their neck. Oh my gosh! Need numbers? I don't. I don't need a story. I need, how many people did you talk to? And that's kind of why I made the mm. comment earlier. Did you have time to talk to anybody? Mm. I was like foreshadowing, or you know, just uh, bird dogging this guy. How many people did you talk to? It's all in jest. Right. All right. From a throwback to the financial industry. How many people did you talk to today? How many people did you talk to this week? Um, Yes. Okay. So how can an advisor, how can an agent get educated the same way the consumer can Mm -hmm. read, discover Mm. who Nelson Nash was, his works, and maybe even what influences he had on his life? All right, that would be a great place to start. And I understand that in the in the world of marketing and digital automation, um, you know, everybody's trying to monetize whatever it is they're doing and creating all of these machinations of marketing. And it's like where the consumer is beat to death with marketing. <laughs> and it's... Uh, I feel for them. I really do. It, it, me included. I mean, it wears me out. Mm-hmm. And who has time? So... Okay, let's read a book. So, what are you are you saying then? That education, encouraging education, isn't that the same as marketing? You know, isn't that a mm. form of marketing? Right. It's like here you need to learn this, or you should consider this. Um, and and I create a bunch of you know funnels, tripwires, paywalls, and here you know here's some information. If you engage, then we'll expose you to some more information. And if you engage, and you know you get to the ultimate, this was free in the beginning, right? Click here, it's free. And we're going to stalk right. you and we're going to track you. But the end result is, you know, for, you know, $35,000, you get to the inner circle and have all the secret knowledge, the, the vaults that go back to the ancient Dead Sea Scrolls. And yeah. um, it, it'll wear the you vault. out. It's locked up. Now, why would you lock up the truth? Hmm. Ooh, good question. I'm glad so. you brought up education for other agents because what has really depressed me recently, <laughs> and I'll start this with my own little story. You know, I came from, I came into the business just like you said, you know, if you're an agent or even a consumer, you know, where would you start? Well, read the book, right? So I'm in a master's program in economics at the time. I meet Nelson for the first time and become a consumer. You know, I implement infinite banking before I was an agent, right? And then I... <laughs> Didn't you tell your agent? Uh, had to tra- exactly. Had to train my agent. He had to instruct his agent big... major firm everybody would know their name Mm -hmm. he had to instruct his agent on how to construct a policy yeah and i didn't know what i was doing you know what i did (laughs) i went to equipment financing in part four and i said by gosh fifteen thousand is thirty seven point five percent of forty thousand 
In my policy, I want 37.5% of my premium to go to the base. I want the rest. The base is- Base premium. Base premium is, in, in the infinite banking world, is the premium paid for a whole life policy. Mm-hmm. The paid up additions, PUA, is a rider to the whole life policy that allows you to put additional premium into and it creates early cash value, early in year one, two, three, mm-hmm. and four, early cash values. Because there is no, very little or no cash value in all whole life insurance in the first two years. Under a conventional structure, yes. Right. So I had to train my own agent. But look, point being, I became a consumer and I became really an enthusiast. I became very, like with this Volkswagen thing, I became really <laughs> interested, you know? And so I, I then I go into the, first PhD program that I was in in applied economics, You're right? still enthusiastic. Yeah, just in a different program. Uh, so it, I started in my first PhD program, went through it, didn't go well. I mean, I did fine, but didn't like the certain construct. things about it. Yep. yep. So I decided that, well, look, I'm already enthusiastic about this thing. I've already, I'm, I find myself doing additional research because I enjoy it. I find myself telling people what I'm doing. I mean, that seems like a natural transition. And so fast forward a few years later, here we are, right? Now, so I remember, let me back up a second. Before I got really into IBC, I, like I mentioned, went to work for one of these big firms, one of these captive companies with the training programs. After you trained your agent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. So I lasted a year in the PhD program, learned my lesson. I only lasted two weeks at the captive agency, right? And <laughs> 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 said, bye, see you later. Good luck, best of luck, but no thank you, right? Okay, so. Wait, Ryan, where are you going? So I, I leave a paid PhD program and I'm paid to be there. I'm getting being paid to go to class leave that, give that up to get in the world of, so young man, single, right? In the world of finance, no previous education, well, no previous training at the industry level, right? But I had lots of education in Austrian economics, right? And then of course we formed our relationship, learned everything else that there was to know about life insurance and the industry. Uh, But I recall the feeling of sitting in that training room at the captive company Mm. just feeling beat down you know so i see these other young men yes who are just getting into finance finance is hard enough right if you go in especially like me i moved all over the country for college i did not have a geographically concentrated center of influence right i didn't have a lot of people nearby i knew that i could sell to right so not only did i not have the network i didn't have the reputation i didn't have the name i didn't have anything that you would normally need to facilitate a typical financial sales transaction right so it's hard enough well then I decided to get into infinite banking. And not only get into infinite banking, but I was so inspired by Nelson, I specialize in it. I'm only going to do it. Okay, finance is hard enough. No reputation, no center of influence. Okay, well now you're gonna concentrate in the infinite banking concept. The what? What's that? All right, so I'm gonna specialize. I'm gonna only do something that almost nobody's ever heard of. Look, the deck is stacked against me, right? I'm getting beat down. Yeah. And so I know that's what's going on for the other young men who and women but let's be honest most agents are men other young men who get into the business some of the best ones are women though who are i'm just saying (laughs) okay (laughs) who are eager uh maybe even desperate 
need, craving uh, just some pennies, the scraps from the table, right? A little income to pay the bills, to make sure the credit card. <clears throat> well, don't jump over the per- desire because I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't fall to, I don't uh, subscribe to the idea that everybody in the financial world is only in it for pennies or income or commissions or fees. I'm not saying, yeah, I, no, again, I mean, angelic I just, intentions. Yeah, I just want to recognize that most people in the financial world really want to bring service and value yes. to their customers. But it's also a struggle. It's a legitimate it struggle. Someone new in the business, I don't care how they look, the smile they're putting on their face, it's a struggle, plain and simple, right? And so then you have the recruiters. Oh my gosh who know this very well. They understand how much of your business is actually going in force. They know how much money you're actually making. And so, by gosh, they have a sales system for you, right? And it's digital. It's online. It's, it's automated. You, you don't have to, you know, we, again, appeal to the low information sale again, right? It's easy. We make it simple for you. It's a numbers right? game anyway. You knock on 100 doors, somebody's going to buy. Every single spammy garbage email I get from these recruiters, hey, stop sending them. I don't, <laughs> you know, don't need them. Thanks. I'm good. We're happy, right? <laughs> Every single email, we make it easy. Easiest referral service on the market right at a low cost oh you mentioned an organization earlier i mm-hmm. did yep i feel like you're a putting part- me on the spot <laughs> no a particular organization earlier and i get an email from this organization advertising the services of an individual oh. who collects articles that can then be white labeled oh, right so gosh. you can an agent can put their name and their banner and their brand on this email mm-hmm. right but the content has been generated by this third-party service but look, it don't, it's easy. We make it easy for you. Not only is it affordable, it takes not a lot of time, but it takes even less money, you know, or something like that. Again, appealing to the low information thing, you know, so I'm just in love, right? Uh, so wait, you're, if you subscribe to that service or idea, then your clients are going to receive third-party information that every other agent or advisor who subscribes to that, they're all going to read the same thing. Right, and but it, your name will be on one, and their name will be on another, and it's just—it sounds to me like a snitch. It's like everybody's got a star. <laughs> Absolutely I'm the case. Saying. I got to have the fake exhaust tips. Yeah. I need my engine to, or I need my speakers to make noise because I can't hear the engine. Uh, you know, I did not know that. It's oh looking. It's it gets. It's sad. Well, I, here, let me make a, a side comment. You know, we live in. I live in Texas. You live in Texas, mm-hmm. and I just had to renew my license. You know, and now I, I got to say, I traveled out of the country. Okay. Mm-hmm. With a with an expired driver's license. Um and it was not caught. I went through security, TSA, and I don't know, two or three or four <laughs> airports. I come back. This is true. I've been there for some of these. <laughs> <laughs> then I happened to go to uh, another uh, vendor of certain products, particular products where they check your ID and you know, no, I don't drink, I don't do drugs, I don't do any of that. Um, and and they said, Oh, your ID's expired. Well, by that time I had already went and got uh, renewal, so I had the paper. I didn't have the hard copy driver's license, so I had the renewal proof. And and I just want to say that when I renewed my driver's license in Texas, um, because of the Voter ID Act, I get uh-huh. a gold. I have a gold star on my driver's license now, and I've just. Um, do you feel can, special? Do you, do you feel I, I'm, more American? I, I'm afraid next time they're going to have me roll up my sleeve and put the star here or make me wear a star on my jacket. Oh, we'll just inject it in you. You won't feel a thing. Just 
Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Scan anyway, me so, on the way in. And maybe your state does something. Maybe you get a blue star, a red star, mm. just so we all have stars and we're all the same. Everyone's going to have know. a star. Okay. Mm. Sorry. I just yeah. had to share that. It bothers the fire out of me that, mm-hmm. you know, the gold star. I mean, I, don't, I didn't want the gold star. I didn't want it. You know, I may not oh. even want to vote. I don't know. But if I did, do I have to have a gold star? Hmm. Can I just be a U.S. citizen? So, well, I, so okay, I, I, I feel bad for these young guys who are getting in, and I get uh, not a lot of agents in the infinite banking world are on YouTube in the way we are. Right, we're probably yeah. a little more visible than than many, and so we get some of the inquiries, and and I get some from people, and some of them are young men who are just getting in, but others are just agents who are co- or individuals, pers- potential agents who are coming from other industries. And they're just trying to learn sure. and trying to figure all this out. Well, they're trying to figure all this out amongst the noise. Absolutely. You know, amongst the forums, amongst the cap lock key crushers, right? <laughs> that, that, that's the environment in which they're trying to, and I feel bad for them. And so I understand the appeal of the quick sale mentality. What I want to communicate is that it doesn't work. Right. If the relevant time frame is the, your entire life, your entire working life, which it is, which it ought to be, if you're serious about being in this industry, then the quick sale, sell from the illustration mentality, in my opinion, doesn't work. Well, no, it, it works for somebody or they wouldn't keep doing it. it wor- yeah, it but, works in the short term. So yes. I should be, you're, you're right, I should be more specific. It's, it lacks the durability. No question. That you could have if you took a different approach. And I think this is really why I wanted to talk about all this today and why we we're finally going at it. Okay. okay. Well, no, no, no. There's, having, there could be more. Yeah. But the reason I want to talk about it is one, nobody else is, right? And two, consumers of financial products and the providers of it, I don't think know or recognize or see that this structure, this form, this style of marketing, this this way, this culture really is a sale, the sales culture. I don't think they're aware that it is distinct, it's particular, it's got certain features and it's out there. And consequently, because they don't know that's there, they, because they don't know that that's the they construct, don't that. they don't see the construct, how, how could we ever expect them to know the alternative? Yeah, right? Or to even put point. it in those words, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, you know, ain't nobody. I said I said it before on previous episodes. Ain't nobody else talking about this. Ain't nobody else. <clears throat> I appreciate your language getting closer to my language. <laughs> so, okay. So your point is, my my point is that the there is a particular kind of sales culture out there that appeals to the low information consumer, and it happens when the agent is a consumer of. Uh, marketing services. Mm-hmm. It happens when the individual is a consumer of financial services. It happens when the individual is a consumer of automobiles. Mm-hmm. It happens across the board, right? It is a problem across the board. Bringing it back to that car example, there's one dealership. I live in Fort Worth, Texas. There's one dealership. Autobahn, Fort Worth. Oh my gosh. It's like going to the spa. I mean, I, I walk up. This is, if you're in Texas, you should shop there. I, I walk up. <laughs> And say, you know, I saw online you got a 2017 Tiguan used, or it was a 2016, 30,000 miles, I think it was. You know, I want to test drive that. He goes and checks. Oh, they don't have it. But we've got another one. Would you like to drive it? Sure thing. Okay, I'll be right back. Agent walks off, salesperson walks off, comes back with the keys, hands me the keys, 
have fun. See you later. Walks off. I went on a pleasant half hour test drive by myself, called my dad, you know, to check out the Bluetooth, see if it worked, right? So I could have driven it to an independent mechanic, could have had it looked yeah. at, you know, so pleasant. Went back the second time with a, to a different person at the same place, happened again. Oh my gosh. All they want me to do is those things, in this case, a test drive, mm -hmm. so that I can have the most information possible, so that I can know whether this is the sale, whether this is the transaction I really want to be a part of. They're not trying to talk me into anything. Yeah, There's not a sales funnel. I'm not going to get a new a newsletter, right? Which is really sales copy with, with different words. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be a part of a program. You know, I can text and call my salesperson there. Uh, it's just another world, and it's the same distinction in the financial world, right? Well, tell us about the uh, the other facility that you went to. Oh, okay. So I have a Honda, and we go. To, I go to the Honda dealer. Don't name them. Yeah, I won't name which one, but I do live in Fort Worth. Uh, go, to, <laughs> I go to the Honda dealer. Got to recall repair my Honda. Take it to the service area. I walk over to the pre-owned uh, area that looks like a Russian communist block. But <laughs> all right, so tells you something about where they're investing resources. But that's mm -hmm. fine. Walk in. Uh, marketing is expensive. As opposed, yeah. <laughs> as opposed to the the luxurious, wonderful, effortless experience I had at Autobahn at this other as yet unnamed dealership, <laughs> uh, I see a, a Mazda CX five on the patio. It's the comparable class to the one I'm interested in. Takes him twenty minutes to get permission so that we can drive the car. He has to, heaven forbid, drive it off the curb where it's being advertised, right? And before my foot ever touches the gas pedal, I'm asked in four or five different ways, what can we do today? What can we entice you to do today? What are you looking to get done today, right? Today and entice. You're noticing a theme, right? Short-term minded, do it now so I can get paid, right? Okay, so I finally tell the guy, listen, I haven't put my foot on the gas pedal yet. I don't know if I'm interested in this vehicle. He tells me, no, no, you don't understand what I'm asking. And so I lost my <laughs> temper for a bit <laughs> and said things I won't say here, but very plainly said, no, th no, thank you. Out of the vehicle, complained to management. The manager says, well, can I have someone else help you? <laughs> Heaven forbid. <laughs> No, please no. I need to get as far away from here as possible. If I ever buy a Honda again, it sure as hell will not be here, right? <laughs> totally turned me off. Well, and this is exactly what he was asking. This tone of voice, even if it the words I'm saying don't make sense, but if this even if that's the case, the tone of voice should tell you, right? An awful experience. And this is the same tone. It's the same emotional cadence you hear from these refugee clients who come from other agents who have been sold something on low information because they dazzled them with an illustration. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I get a little <laughs> irritated by that because the man whose lapel this pin came off of, this is his baby. This is his life's work and it's why we got into it. And so when I see... This, this, mm, this going on out there, you know, I, 
That's why we have to take the assume angelic intentions thing and step back and be like, look, maybe it's just that we don't know. And, right. and to be fair, I didn't know, right? right? I wasn't aware that this is how car sales work or how life insurance or financial product sales work, right? But as we learn it, as we become aware, it's hard not to become a little irritated. And this is, you know, you, the viewer should be able to notice a certain way we interact and talk about things, right? Should be pretty clear, should be a pretty distinct contrast to the way that the promoters, going back to what you said at the very beginning, the difference between promotion and attraction, right? Our view, we wanna attract the people who want to sure. adopt this educational philosophy, who wanna reclaim financial responsibility over the banking function, all that. We wanna attract that, and if you're not interested, fine. I mean, go on, right? There's plenty of promoters out there who would be happy to talk you into something, right? I'm yeah, not interested. really good. Yeah. I'm not interested. And what I'm really not interested in is you getting talked into something and then five years down the line deciding that you've been scammed by somebody related to the Nelson Nash Institute and therefore everybody associated with that organization must not be worth their salt. And mm -hmm. Not only that, I'm pissed off. I'm going to tell people about it. Well, I look, might call a commissioner. I might, wh who knows what I might do. I'm pissed off. I might sue somebody. Who are they going to sue? They're going to sue the carrier with billions of dollars under management? Yes. Or are they going to sue you? Yes. Everybody in sight, right? Everybody. How, the, the real question is how much money can the lawyer make? That'll determine who, who, just how many people we sue, right? Well, you've heard. Why would I want to end up in that situation? You know? No, thank you. No, thank you. You've heard the, the joke about the little town that uh, had a lawyer in it and he was going broke. No. Right? Until the other lawyer, the second lawyer moved to town, and then they both got rich. Um, listen, aren't, aren't they all the same? You're talking about the infinite banking concept. You've mentioned oh, the Nelson Oh, I'm Nash so glad you Institute. said that. Aren't they all the same? Can, can I just call they? three or four and get illustrations from them and then, you know? I had to inhale and exhale. I had to count when I heard this. The, the, way I'm, the reason I'm responding in this way is what he just said <laughs> is what I've had an individual tell me, right? And I look, I had asked already, had you read the book? And he said no. So I know where he is. He's just starting his educational process. Mm -hmm. So I'm not mad at him at all. Don't get me wrong. Not. But what one of his questions was, well, aren't you guys all the same? Can I just call any one of you? I've lived so, my whole life to be like everybody else. I'm finally a snitch. Thank, I have a star. Right. I'm so glad you recognized it. No, we are not. And so, and we should say this, you know, these pins are associated with a certain organization and you have a, a number of organizational affiliations and, and I'm, we are a part of a lot of different causes and things we support but one should not get the impression that we endorse well anybody else <laughs> there it's not the case right we are not all the same and i know so because those refugee clients send me the <laughs> illustrations that come out of these other systems and i'm like um hmm yeah well you know where do we begin and yeah. So no, to be clear, to be very clear, we are not all the same. Um, we, uh, we have different marketing perspectives. We have different educational perspectives. We have different philosophies on policy design. We have different philosophies about things like recognition policy. I mean, we have a whole podcast dedicated to fleshing out the things that we think matter that are distinct from the rest of the agent and the financial sales advisory world, mm -hmm. right? So no, we are not all the same. Um, nor should one want to be, right? 
that's really the point with the i like that the story of the stars and the sneeches. it's true i mean you know it, ancient greece i mean the tortoise in there all right so I, i've always known that i'm different this confirmation you know in the financial world that i'm not like everybody from the refugees the orphans and not even from the general public but from you know you just go to any event there's lots of events in the financial world for the financial advisor the agent the gurus you know um i I continually get confirmation that i'm not like them absolutely in them in the big wide world you know it's like anyway and i should say this too we don't want everybody to be like us no you know I, i think i said in the previous episode go on keep on selling from those illustrations Keep, keep sending out your uh, reduced paid up, limited pay policies that you pretend are better than a, a legitimate, bona fide, dividend-paying whole life policy that'll accept premium over the course of one's natural life. Keep at it. You know, so maybe that's for somebody. Maybe sure. it is. Could be a place. In the Could be a place for that. Yeah. And, you know, while we're the Japanese cars sell pretty good, so someone's buying them. There's a place cars. for us. That's right. And there's a place for uh, proper engineering, too. <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm not an engineer but uh, or overly technical. But anyway. That's exactly. And neither am I, right. you know. And I don't want to be one, right? right? I'm, in, I'm in the financial services, but I, I do IBC, end, period, done. I, not, I don't have a, any plans to become a car salesman or a mechanic. I don't want to have to know everything about the engine, sure. right? But I want to know enough. I want to know the essentials. I want to know what I need to know to be confident that I can maintain my vehicle the way I want. So I don't have to be dependent on anybody. Being independent. And I can get the most out of life, right? The most out of my driving experience. I like driving. I spend a lot of time in the car. You're going to finance a lot of purchases. You're going to spend a lot of time and a lot of effort and energy deciding how to pay for things that you're going to pay for anyway, right? This is a big part of life. Look, I'm talking about a $15,000 car, right? People put that much money into a policy in, in one year. People put triple, quadruple, move the decimal place whichever way you want, right? People put a lot of money into these policies, as they should. You can't have too much capital, right? Mm-hmm. So it, if it is the case that you should want to know something about your car, well, by goodness, the whole, you should scale that up, multiply it times 10. I mean, 10 exit, do something to it <laughs> so that you can under, understand the gravity of these decisions. And you, one other thing about this car thing. <laughs> You know, I can touch and feel the car. Sure. I can get in it. I can drive it. You, you smell know, it. I can feel you, the leather. Yeah, I've got oh, yeah. senses. You know, I you can, can hear the it. engine through I the speakers. I can hear the engine. I could, <laughs> by goodness, turn that damn speaker off and hear the... You squeal the tires throwing yeah, Hear that little... You can drift. My, <laughs> yeah. All of that, right? I can enjoy the car physically with my senses. Attract all the pretty young ladies that want to ride with you. Yeah. And then, so here, you know, here's my life insurance policy. You know, what am I going to do with it? Throw it, you know, hit somebody with it. It's like, it's the the policy, the document itself just enumerates what the real asset is. The underneath this paper is a relationship, a contractual relationship that this contract is just here to enforce, right? I'm buying something abstract. I'm buying a relationship with the company, right? Namely, I'm a member dividend paying whole life, sold from a mutual company. I'm a member of the company. I'm part owner of the company. I have membership rights and I'm a consumer. I'm a policy owner, right? 
I can't, I can't interact with it the way I can physically with a car. Right. The so policies tangible, right? All of these other things intangible, intangible. conceptual, right? Yeah. And so I get it. We want something tangible. I want to be able to see it. I want to see and feel and touch and all that. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, a life insurance policy is fundamentally an abstract idea, right? It's a there is a contract. It's personal property, no question. But it's an idea. You've got to understand the concept. So look if. If it's hard enough in the car world to figure out what you want to drive and what you need and what's reliable and all this and what fu- sit, what suits your preferences, it's hard enough with something you can touch and feel. Yeah. By gosh, it's going to be worse with something totally abstract. All the more important, therefore, to do the education, to make sure the foundation is laid. And whose responsibility is that? Well, it's the individual's responsibility to get the education. It is the agent and the advisor's ability, responsibility to provide it. And or at least point the way to where it can yeah. be found. <clears throat> right. But oh, I don't want to read books. I don't want to sell, you know, I don't want to have to buy books. And then yeah. that is just a, an eye roll to me. I understand if you don't like to read, there's tons and tons of things that are available in audio and video, but you should read fundamentally the becoming your own banker by R Nelson Nash. If you haven't read that book, you don't have a solid foundation and you, nor can you have yeah. a solid foundation. Look and, and go the to the source concept, go to the source, go to the man who created it. You know, I tell the, I told the Volkswagen girls like, you know, there, there's a model of this car. I know there is where the front passenger seat will fold down totally flat. I want that. Right, I want that. I want a nice little flat surface next to me to use as a table or whatever. I want that. And she's like, well, I just talked to the person on the other office and she's been here 10 years and she used to own one of the 2016 and she said that they don't have it. Right, well, I'm getting that information from a secondhand source, right? Okay, so I go online, pull up the dealer spec sheet. Sure enough, 2017 Tiguan Model S, Front folding passenger seat standard on all models hmm. or on all of uh, for every one of the units produced that is that model S, I think it was. And so, sure enough, because I went to the source, I had the accurate information. Whereas, had I gone off of what I learned secondhand from the person who said it confidently, you know, it came from someone who's been here 10 years. Oh, is that an appeal to authority? Hmm, okay. Well, red flag number one. You know, may, it might be true. She could be right. Well, and so I, so of course the question comes, well, so what could we do today? Yeah. Right. And then here, let me introduce you to my sales manager so he can offer you $500 off. It's like, you're going to you, really five. <laughs> they offered me 500 for my car. I'm like, you're going to add 500 onto it. And you think I'm, that's going to make a choice? No, no. Uh, but the whole system, right? You have a Honda. And so, 500. Yeah. What? Right. Right. Uh, what can we do for you today? And I was like, well, nothing until I have the opportunity to verify from the source what I've heard from this secondhand source. Mm -hmm. Because when that secondhand source told me something, it was based off of what they heard from somebody else. It wasn't based on the original source, right? So this is pervasive in the industry. People telling things to individuals of course well intended but you know hey what can we do to entice you to make a deal today uh but hey totally angelic intentions said confidently from a a a potential source of authority uh 
without ever referencing the original source. So there's something else that ticks me off is discussion of infinite banking without ever one mention yeah. of Nelson Nash. I mean, is it stuck in your throat? You know, <clears throat> you know, get it out. <laughs> if it's there, if it's there, if it's there. <laughs> if right? it's there, yeah. If it is there, it may be just a cursory reference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've learned, and <clears throat> Nelson said it, you know, originally is where I heard it, that most people's understanding of life insurance is based on someone else's misconception. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's just life insurance. He didn't say, oh, the understanding of the infinite banking concept. No, we're just talking about life insurance. Most people's understanding of life insurance is based on someone else's misconception. Now, how solid is that? Gosh, you could blow that up. Most people's understanding of high information items, be it life insurance, be it a German car as opposed to a Japanese one, most people's understanding of things that require a lot of information in order to fully optimize and implement most of what they know is based off of most of what they know scare quotes mm-hmm. is based off of what scare they've quotes. heard from somebody else and, and their system of misconceptions yep so don't be that person do the research yourself right do the vetting yourself find out if this is uh worth implementing for you and your family that's a this is a long Man, podcast we, you know, this, yes, this might be a record let me see what this little timer says oh no why break it up yeah hour and 40 yeah all right that's our new year's special all right right? welcome 2020 you know brevity is a virtue i'm just saying we're brief we're just brief about a lot (laughs) (laughs) all right thanks for listening i had fun really this is why i do this i have fun and not only you know um, yeah i'm worked up i need a nap i need lunch let's go eat or something (laughs) (laughs) thanks for listening y'all See you next time. Live free and independent. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Otherwise, find us wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to join us weekly.